podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. All right, on this episode, I have with me here on Zoom, uh, zooming in from the Madison, Wisconsin area, Mike Gamal. Thanks for being here, Mike. Thank you, Allison. <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, although yeah. the audience won't be seeing you, uh, but uh, oh. you're a, you're not necessarily a musician yourself, but uh, you do a lot in and around the music industry. Would you say that's correct? That's a pretty that's a pretty good way to say it. I'm around the periphery. How's that? <laughs> so can you tell us uh, who are listening uh, what exactly that means what is the periphery sure, I, yeah, yeah. Where, where is my territory right yeah <laughs> um so i am the founder of an organization called joey song and joey song is a charity that uses music to raise money to fund research uh, into finding cures and treatments for epilepsy as well as supporting programs and services for people in the epilepsy community in the in the midwest so that's that's how i'm around the periphery of music um and we do it all so the name of the charity as i said is joey song and it's in memory of my son joe who we lost in 2010 he passed away in 2010 mm -hmm. just shy of his fifth birthday after battling particularly heinous form of epilepsy his mm -hmm. entire life called gervais syndrome and so our family and kind of our network of friends has decided to focus our energies on Joey Song, which is these music events that we put on every year uh, that that kind of support our fight against epilepsy and our, our search for those treatments and cures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, of course, sorry to hear about your son, but you've Thanks. you've really turned his memory into something pretty incredible. Um and done a lot to raise money for the the cause here, and I mean, when you say you you put on an event, um, it's it's so much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what Joey's song entails? Sure. So, probably the quickest way to explain it all um, is to tie it back to back in the eighties uh, during my college years worked in the Madison area in the music scene. And there was another fella kicking around the Madison music scene at that time called Butch Vig, who most mm -hmm. people, if you're been anywhere near a radio over the last 30, <laughs> you know, usually within an hour, there's some song that Butch has had his fingerprints in, whether it's his own band garbage or Nirvana or smashing pumpkins or Foo Fighters or Sonic Youth, or, you know, all of the millions of bands that he's, he's produced. And so Butch and I, uh, we're friends back in the 80s. We both kind of went off our separate ways after that. I went off into the corporate world and Butch went on to win Grammy Awards and MTV Moon Men and Gold Records and all of that wonderful stuff. Um, but uh, in the in, it was probably around 2012 or so, we had Joey's song was just kind of ramping up at that point. Uh, Butch came back into my life. Uh, he The Garbage did a dual headline show with the Flaming Lips here in Madison at the Mallards Ballpark. So found myself backstage chatting with, with Butch. 
Um, and we kind of reconnected, you know, you do that. So tell me about the last 30 years kind of stuff. And, you know, um, one of the things he said was, you know, how can I help? And when I told him about Joey's song, we were well into it at that point. Um, and I said, well, you can come and play my benefit. What we had been doing had been traditional kind of singer songwriter concerts is the best way to do it. We had, you know, Michael McDermott and Freddie Johnston and Sam Giannis from the Bodines and Rhett Miller and Robbie Folks. And, you know, lots of folks would come and do, you know, a 30 minute acoustic set. A couple of them would do that. and We'd sell tickets and have some auctions and raffle items. And they were really great events. And we we did a lot of good stuff. Um, but with Butch, um, since he's not necessarily a singer, although he does sing, he's not known for that. You know, he's more known for his work with bands. And so he has a, a side project, yeah, calling it a side project isn't right. It's more of a screw around project. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think he or any of the members of the band would mind me saying it's called the Know-It-All Boyfriends. And really it's a, it's a band that grew out of, um, the the the, ta the story goes, I wasn't around at the time, but I'll retell the story. They were all at one of the members' family's wedding and the band didn't show up. And so they found guitars and drums and keyboards and ended up playing at the reception, you know, and doing all sorts of covers and realized that they were having a great time doing it. And out of that, the, the know-it-all boyfriends, or as they're called the KIAB for short, the KIAB was born. And so when Butch was asking me what we could do, I said, well, you could have the KIAB come and we'll, you know, we'll pretend it's a wedding reception. And, uh, and out of that, and there's, Allison, to be honest, there's about three more hours worth of stories, but I'll, I'll, I'll skip ahead. What it's, what Joey's song has evolved into is now Butch and the Know-It-All Boyfriends kind of serving as a house band. And we bring in guest artists to come and play with them during the night. And, you know, folks of some renown, we've got, this year we've got a, couple of Grammy winners coming and a rock and roll hall of famer coming and uh, a few other folks that for some reason, because musicians have big hearts, choose to come to Madison, Wisconsin in the dead of winter, you know, some of them from Los Angeles, some, and some of them from Memphis and other much warmer places come in for a few days in Madison, to help us put on the show and raise some money. So that's, you're yeah. right. It's probably a little bit more than an event, but uh, it, it, it's our, it's our little song and dance. Yeah, and it and thanks for sharing that with us. And and so now I'm going to start asking you some more detailed questions about this because I'm just so fascinated by it all. How you I don't know how you get musicians to come to Madison, Wisconsin in as you just said the dead of winter uh for for free like to you don't pay them. No. <laughs> no, we, what, no, no, yeah. we don't. And these are big musicians. And how do you, yeah. I mean, what, what draws them here to, yeah. you know, sub-zero temperatures? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the sun bathing in water. No. Um, um, musicians by their nature. And you're right. First of all, before we get into that, you're right. I want to make sure everybody understands an important thing you just said. These people all come for free. Every yeah. one of them. Nobody, nobody gets paid to perform at our event. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit later about yeah. some of the folks that are coming. Um, none of them take a penny for it. Um, so, uh, and that's really important. And, and they'll come into town. Our, our show is January 8th. It's a Saturday and everybody will start hitting town on that Thursday night. Right. And they'll stay through till Sunday. So they give me, you know, four days and three nights of their life to make this event happen. And um, 
I, I, last in 2019, the last time we were able to have our last live event, one of our guests was Brian Ray. And Brian's day job is he's Paul McCartney's guitar player. And what I told people, and Brian lives a beautiful house about a nine iron from the beach in San, and down in, in Los Angeles in Santa Monica. Um, and he came to Madison in December. And I don't know what Sir Paul pays him for four days, but it's not, you know, two <laughs> beers and a ham sandwich, which is what he got out of me. So I think it's really important to stress what you had said. You know, this is an all volunteer organization from all of these all of these folks. Now, to get to the second part of your question, which is what makes them come, I think by their nature, musicians or artists in general need to emote. They need to get their emotions out and um, get them to the public. That's what draws them to their art and to the create their art. So by their very nature, they're folks that are driven by feelings. And, <clears throat> excuse me, our story, when you, when you think about what we're trying to do, it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's around epilepsy in general, but it's around pediatric epilepsy is, is where we really focus. Oh, excuse me, I, it's the cold air here in Wisconsin this time of year. Um, and I think most of them understand the importance of what we're trying to do. Um, and as I've said to a lot of folks over the years, you start a sentence with my five-year-old son died and I need your help. Most people will react to that. Now, they can't always help right away. They can't always do all the things that you want them to do. Um, but they, it, it will strike a chord, especially in people in the art world, right? Like musicians are. So I think that's the first advantage that we have. And then the second advantage that we have is we've slowly built up over time. And now we're getting a lot of these people come because their friends, musicians that played the year before, tell them about it. You know, we, we work very, very hard to put on a first class show to treat our, our, our artists right. And they have a lot of fun because unlike their day job, you know, they're not um, expected to carry the show. It's, you know, nobody's the headliner. So it's, it's, there's no pressure to do that. They're spending their, the night is, is much more of like a live jukebox than a concert, meaning they're playing a lot of covers. They're, they're playing a lot of stuff they wouldn't normally do, right? And so that means that they have the freedom it sounds, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say, Allison, is I think they come because it sounds like a heck of a lot of fun for a good cause. And it's a little bit different than what they do. And they get to play, you know, a lot of these artists know each other, but when do they ever get to play together, right? Mm -hmm. So-and-so's band may be on the same bill, but they don't, they're not playing together. So it gives a chance for, you know, so-and-so to play drums with a guitarist that they never get a chance to play with. It was somebody else singing in front that they never get to work with. So I think all of that stuff kind of creates uh, the, the, the force that makes folks that, you know, are, are pretty renowned in their field want to come to Madison in the coldest part of the year yeah. and hang out for, and hang out for a few days. So I think, uh, I think that's it. that speaks, I mean, very well to what you do as well. And, you know, they, they come because they know it's being run very well and, and they know that other people there will will be high level to and, and they yeah. get to have one big jam session with yeah. lots of yeah. other high level people. And yeah, I think um, that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, they wouldn't be coming if uh, if if it was a 
an event that wasn't well run. So how did you get to, to the point of being able to put together events like this if you aren't in the music industry? Yeah, a lot of blind luck, to be honest with you. <laughs> and a lot of and a lot of patience out of uh, out of the artists, right? As we were going through through all this, and part of it, to be honest with you, Allison, is we slowly built up over time. Um, we did. When I say we, it's myself and Kevin Baird is my executive director, and Joey Sung. That's the two of us are Joey Sung. Mm-hmm. And when we started out, we were probably I was probably more conservative on it than Kevin would have liked. He's a little bit more of a risk taker than I am, but we never got too far ahead of ourselves on trying to grow it too fast. Um, and I, I knew enough, even though I hadn't stayed in the business, I've been fortunate over the years. I have been friends with many musicians even before I did this. So I had, and I don't know how to say this without it sounding like, like a humble brag, but I had spent enough time backstage at events and at concerts. And I had seen kind of what's expected of of how artists need to be treated with catering and, and amenities and all of that type of stuff. And so, um, but honestly, I always, my fallback was always having Butch in my corner, right? Because of the, of the immense respect that he caters mm-hmm. in the music business. You know, he's my, he's my trump card to be, to be honest with you. And so just by saying he's involved and he's been involved now for six plus years, artists give a cut us a lot of slack if maybe we don't quite have the catering right or that type of stuff and butch helps me i you know when when we each step we take and this year we're at a venue that's 150 percent bigger than the last one we did and as we were planning all that i wear out i wear out butch's text with we're thinking of doing this how does that sound and he'll come you know because the man's played you know big you know, outdoor venues and played with the biggest acts in the world and produced. So he knows that world and he knows, and he'll say, no, you know, I'll ask, can we cut a corner here? And he'll say, yeah, people don't care about that. Or he'll say, no, that one, you you can't, you know, you Mm got to make sure you have the Brown M&Ms removed or whatever that Van Halen, (laughs) whatever the Van Halen story is. Um, So it's, it's evolved over the years, but it kind of all goes back to people take their lead from Butch. And Butch is, mm-hmm. as I've said to anybody that'll listen, while he's probably the top, uh, you know, record producer in the country, the people that everybody want behind the board, he's still just a, a guy from Viroqua, Wisconsin. And, you know, as long as there's a cold beer in the fridge and some sort of sandwich or pizza, Butch is happy and everybody kind of takes that same vibe as, as well. So yeah. he, he's my, he's my secret weapon. That's so cool. So, I mean, can you just give us a little, uh, a brief overview of what the event looks like um, as it will play out this year. Sure. So probably the first thing we should do is we should talk about the guests that are coming because that mm-hmm. will kind of help ex- explain the whole thing. So we're really fortunate this year. Um, we've got, um, as I said, some Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, some Grammy winners and the whole bit. So let me let, let me roll the tape back a little bit. First, let's talk a little bit about the structure. As I mentioned, it's a, like a live jukebox. So we really focus on covers and hits. So it's different in a, in a concert. Right? Nobody's going to get up there with their acoustic guitar and say, you know, I wrote this song yesterday about my cat, you know, and play mm-hmm. you a, a slow song that nobody's ever heard. So our artists are going to come in and they're going to be playing their hits plus covers, lots of Beatles and Stones and ACDC. And, you know, it really does 
in a, in a much more professional way, feel like a high school dance, right? It's songs everybody knows. Even if you don't know some of the artists, you will know the songs that they're playing. So that's how the night goes. It's folks hopping on and off stage and different combinations of playing together. So it's, it's, it's really a lot of fun. But this year, our, our, our roster of artists is great. I, I, it, I, again, I'm, I, I'm always dumbfounded at the people that will actually say yes to me on all of this stuff. So I'll just kind of go through the list of folks and I'm going to list band names in case people don't associate the name with the band. But so we've got Rick and Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick are coming, which is phenomenal, along with uh, Rick's, Rick's son and, Miles and Dax's brother, Miles. And his wife Kelly, they perform together as the Nielsen Trust, and they do cheap trick songs and original songs. So, uh, the Nielsen Trust is going to be coming. We've got Dave Perner from Soul Asylum coming. We've got Chris Collingwood from Fountains of Wayne. We got Jody Stevens from Big Star. We've got Tanya Donnelly and Gail Greenwood from Belly. We've got Kay Hanley from Letters to Cleo. We've got Corey Chisel coming. We've got Laura Jane Grace from Against Me. Plus, in a new wrinkle. We've also added a little uh, comedy to the uh, to the evening as well. Uh, for most of the folks that are going to be listening to this podcast, you're going to know who Charlie Barons is because you can't be on social media in the Midwest and not know who Charlie is. Charlie's the guy behind the Manitowoc Minute and does all of the, let's just say, spoofing on all of us Wisconsinites. And Charlie's awesome with it. So Charlie's going to be there, going to be one of our MCs and do some do some performance. We've also got Joel Hodgson from Mystery Science Theater 3000. So those of us of a certain age, maybe when you came home from the bar in the 90s and you turned on Comedy Central, Mystery Science Theater was something that we all kind of watched to wind down our night, uh, if you will. So, so with that roster of guests, what you're going to get is each, each one of the artists are going to get you know, a few songs in the spotlight, front of the stage, singing their songs, singing their hits, doing some covers. And then they'll also pop in and out with the artist, play guitar on somebody's song, sing background on somebody's song, do a lot of stuff. So what people are going to see is a pretty steady stream of these artists hitting the stage, performing a few songs, and the night really moves fast. But as I said, and I mean it in a good way, it's got a real high school dance kind of feel to it. it, it high energy songs everybody knows. And uh, it's a one of the things that we say at Joey's song is while what we do is very serious how we do it is not right and it's meant it's meant to be a lot of fun it's we do slip in a few messages about epilepsy but really most of the people by the time they've walked through the door kind of know why they're there so we don't we don't you know we don't go too hard on the epilepsy we certainly do everything we can to remove as much money from everybody's wallets as possible whether it's through raffles or you know auctions or those kinds of stuff but you know it's not a it's meant to be a celebration more than 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 anything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. And so, is it just back to back to back music, or um, is there in comedy now yeah. as well? And or and how many hours is this? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, well, we'll tackle that last part last because that's the great unknown of a Joey song benefit. Um, it is pretty steady. The only time we have really, it's not like a concert where there's a definitive 30 minute break. We, we, we keep it moving because the good news is everybody kind of plays each other's instruments. So we're not taking one drum kit down or setting up a separate set of keyboards. So the night moves relatively quickly. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so there's not, there's not a lot of downtime. 
uh, we spliced a few things in there because as I said, we've got some auction items we want to make sure people go and keep an eye on and some other stuff uh, as well. But the night moves pretty fast. Now, the tough question is how long will this last? That is the great unknown of one of these things. We have it set up to be about three and a half hours from first note to last note. But, uh, and I guess this is a testament to the fun. Usually the set list kind of goes the way of the dodo by about halfway through the night, especially once that you know hour long all-star jam is supposed to happen at the end. Lots of stuff gets thrown into the mix or somebody starts playing a riff that wasn't planned and everybody kind of looks around and starts playing the same riff. And, you know, all you know is, you know, it's 10 minutes later and they've just done a Rolling Stones medley that nobody had rehearsed. Um, but but the, but usually three and a half, three and a half hours or so is the is, is how long this lasts. But we have been known to go four and a half and longer as well. So. Wow. It sounds like just a blast. And do you think the musicians or the audience has more fun? (laughs) Well, boy. Yeah. Um, I've never really been lucky enough to be out in the audience for it. I'm the night of the show. I'm running around like a knucklehead, as you could probably guess. But I guarantee you the musicians have a lot of fun. Uh, I'll I'll tell you one anecdote. So um, my uh, I recruit a lot of my neighbors here to help the night of the show whether it's loading out or you know very stuff and every year a couple days after the event is over what i get from all of them because what we need is a lot of help loading out because there may have been a beer or two and a shot or two gone on during the show and so getting (laughs) our getting ourselves out the door um is 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 a bit of a struggle um and what they consistently comment on my friends is how much laughing and how much fun the musicians have, you know, the musicians are the ones thanking them, you know, thank you so much. You know, these are my knucklehead friends that are just taking an amp out to a car. Um, And it's, it's really kind of clearing the place out at the end of the night, not, not from the front of the house, but from the back of house, that's a bigger struggle. So I I, I hope that everybody that comes has a good time, but I guarantee you that the music do. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So when, when you first were, um, thinking of putting something together to raise money for, for epilepsy. Uh, what was it? I mean, were you sure it was going to be a, a concert or live music event? No, no, it's a great question. It was, as, as a matter of fact, that was the opposite of what it was going to be. Joey song started as recorded music. And so, um, and everybody's got to kind of put themselves in the time machine and go back 11 years, right? So this is 2010, and this is right around the time when downloads became really prevalent. It was kind of the end of the Napster era, and iTunes was up. But really, it was when people decided that they weren't going to be buying any more CDs. I'm being a bit dramatic with that, but it was really around that time. And certainly, people were not buying, if they even if they were uh downloading music they weren't downloading the whole thing they were just picking one or two songs off of a cd that they wanted so we really struggled to move the to make the kind of money we needed to make with all the time and effort it went in so what what i had done we had contacted artists and asked them to donate rare and unreleased songs so maybe a b-side that never made it onto a record or a demo or a live track or something and got great response um, and, but it took a lot of time for, for, and I'm sure a lot of the folks listening to this podcast know 
trying to clear a song gratis uh, is similar to a Rubik's cube while you're riding on a roller coaster, right? Um, it's, you know, you can, you can have four or five writers, four or five publishing companies, a record label, performers that all have to sign off to waive their rights to royalties to a song. Um, and it's a lot of work. And we were not getting the kind of traction that we needed to with the CDs. But every time we would put out a CD, we would have a CD release party, which is what you did in those days. And we were making more money off of the CD release party than we were off of the recorded music. So after about five of those CDs, we kind of you sunset the CD portion of it. Um, and now it's just the live thing. And, and it mirrors where the industry is at today. Well, if, you know, in the before times, right, before COVID, most performers were doing, you know, 200, 250 dates a year. That was how they were making their money. The, the money on CDs and LPs and stuff was more adjunct to people's income, just the reverse of what it had been going into it, right? You toured in the old days to try to sell more records. And now you tour to make money and you hope that you know, how many times have we all been to smaller size shows and the artists say, we'll be back at the merch table afterwards, come back and see us, right? Because they want to sell some CDs or, you know, sign some shirts or some posters and stuff like that. So the Joey Song Path has very much mirrored the um, industry on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because, uh, I mean, yeah, that it, it was the reverse for quite some time. It was... Forever. Yeah, yeah. For the the touring was secondary, really. Yeah, it was it was seen as marketing, right? E even small bands had a record label, and part of your deal with the record company would be uh, a stipend to go out on the road. They would cover the cost because they viewed it as a marketing tool. So you were very much, you know, the cycle was always record, tour, record, tour, record, tour, right? And you would go out, you'd release the record, and then you'd go out and tour and, and hope that when you went through Madison and Milwaukee and Minneapolis and each one of those stops, people would flock to the record store to buy your records. Um, and that's how it, it was from Elvis until, you know, the late 1990s. And then streaming and the online stuff happened and the entire uh, economics of it flipped and it's kind of stayed that way. Mm-hmm. Would you, uh, given what you've, what you've witnessed during this time and, and even, you know, just putting on the event, uh, what would you say to an up and coming artist as far as what they, where, where they put their time and energy? Yeah. What, I mean. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. From my vantage point as somebody that deals with a wide range of artists, the people that are most successful that I found and have longevity are the ones that engage with their audience, directly engage with it. Almost all of the Joey Song artists have strong social media presence. And I find that a lot of them run and engage their social media themselves. I know it's not going to be a shock to anybody mm -hmm. on the phone, but you know, Beyonce doesn't do her own social media posts, you know, or, you know, the big, the big folks don't. But in the, in the realm, in the Joey Song environment, many of them do. And you're, you're, I believe we're at a point of brand loyalty for artists, right? And, and brand loyalty comes from more than just putting out good records. Obviously, you need to do that. But um, the, the ability to make people want to be loyal to you as you go through the arc of your career um, I, I, I just, you know, the emails that I get when we announce a new artist from people 
that are more than an hour and a half away from Madison. Somebody's in Iowa or somebody's up in Minneapolis, but one of our artists is important, you know, and they'll send me an email. I'm, 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 I'm driving down for, cause I really want to see so-and-so and, and, um, that's that's the kind of loyalty into in, as long as the live performances are still the path to making a living doing this you need to be able to relate to the audience and that's what I would suggest for anybody that's especially trying to, to build it as maybe unappetizing as it sounds you have to think of yourself as a brand and you have to think of ways to create loyalty in people and that's putting out good product that's having good customer satisfaction, all of those things. And you really want people to feel like you're their band, right? And I, this, these guys are mine, you know, and I want them to do well, but I always want them to be able to be playing at my, you know, my local, uh, you know, whatever it might be, thousand seat uh, venue as well. So it, like I said, think of yourself as a brand, uh, maybe not quite dishwashing soap, but uh, <laughs> you know, think of yourself as a brand. Yeah, that's really great advice. And, and I mean, you're seeing uh, firsthand like the, you know, you've put the effort into the live event and it's, it's grown every year. And now you're, can you, can you speak to the, the venue size and, and what's, sure. what's been, what's happened to that in your history? Yeah, we've been really fortunate. We've grown, uh, you know, kind of exponentially. The very first one that we did when the first CDs came out was at a small sports bar in Chicago. And that was probably 75 people or so. Um, to moving through, for the folks in the Madison area listening to this, kind of moving through the size of the venues. We started at Pooley's, which is a sports bar in Madison, and they're actually more of a sports kind of stuff, but we set up a stage on their volleyball and basketball court and held the, held the first Madison show there, to then slowly working through the different sizes from the 400-seat High Noon Saloon to the 600-seat Majestic, the last couple of years, we were at the thousand seat Barrymore. And this year we've moved to the brand new 2,500 seat Sylvie theater, which is, which is great. And our audience has, has grown with us. And that's, that's the advantage of being able to do this year and year out. I can back to my advice on your previous question, build a little brand loyalty around the event. People can, you know, my, my ultimate goal, Allison, is to get to where I don't even have to announce who's going to be there. Yeah. You know, I just say the, the next Joey song thing is, you know, kind of like Lollapalooza or any festival, right? They don't they don't necessarily have to announce the lineup at Lollapalooza or Bonnaroo or any of those for the loyalists to go, oh, they've announced it. I'm getting my tickets because I whoever's going to be there, I know it's going to be great. And that's kind of what we hope to get to with Joey's song. Yeah. Well, now that I'm aware of it, it's on my it's going to be on my calendar every year <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, yeah it, it's just, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a festival. It's, I don't know if I, well, well it's a fundraiser, first and yeah. foremost, but it, it's still like a festival or open jam, yeah. like none other, really. Well, yeah. and, I, and I think that's really important that you point that out and it, because it is a fundraiser and most fundraisers, and not that there's anything wrong with any of these other formats are golf tournaments or galas or walks or whatever it is. And I think that's the other thing we have going for us is there's a couple other things that are going on around the U.S. A little bit like this. There's an effort called Hot Stove Cool Music, which is the brainchild of uh, Theo Epstein, who was the was the president of the Cubs with Peter Gammons, a sports writer. And they did kind of the same thing in Chicago and Boston. And some of our artists do both do those events as well. But otherwise, there's not too many events like ours. So it's also unique. 
And um, as long as we're able to do what we do is kind of keep bringing in new artists and bring in new members of the Joey Song family, I think it makes it interesting for people and it, it, it's, it, it's, it's fun. So it, it, I, I, the uniqueness of it all works in our advantage as well, because it's unlike a concert. Like you said, it's a, not really a concert, it's really not a festival. I'm, I'm sure there's some combination of the words that we can come up with. Work. You and I can come up with a brand <laughs> for, what, for what this is, but the uniqueness works in our favor for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you expect that tw- uh, it's a 2,500 seat theater this year? Yeah. And do you expect to sell out this year? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm very superstitious, so mm-hmm. I will not say anything, um, but um, I'll just, and you, everybody can't see me, but I'm not going to say it, but <laughs> I, I, we're, we're, we're very, we're very hopeful. We're very hopeful. COVID has thrown a wrench in everything. I know there's a lot of people that have, have not bought tickets. Uh, you know, we're fortunate here in Madison, we have the highest vaccination rate in the state um, mm-hmm. and have been the, the the Dane County authorities have been very strict on the mask mandate. And but I mean, COVID is still COVID. Right. And even if you're you know, we all know the reasons why we should be respectful of the, the precautions that are in place, because even though you might be double vaccinated and all that other stuff, you can still pass it along and you can pass somebody's grandma in the grocery store or something. And so I get, I, you know, I understand, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think we would have more tickets sold um, than we do now, but with COVID people are weary, but I'm hoping that a month from now, as it gets closer, that's the other part of our event. We get a lot of late ticket buyers because it's not like, you know, it's not like the Stones are coming to town or your favorite band is coming to town and, you know, you got to see them because they're not going to be coming through for a couple more years. This is more of an event. People have it on their calendars. Some people get their tickets right away, but we get a pretty good walk up every year, which is why I didn't want to jinx it when you ask about the sellout, because I don't know for sure. But um, between COVID and that, uh, there's a lot of unknowns, but everything's pointing in the right direction. Yeah, great. That reminds me, um, what did you do last year uh, in in place of what was supposed to be there because of COVID? Yeah, we did it. We we <laughs> we scrambled is what we did. Mm-hmm. We did an online event, mm-hmm. uh, which actually was a blessing in disguise because it helped to um, bring some new folks into the Joey Song family that can't have not necessarily been able to make it to Madison for any of the events. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we didn't, we did an online event and we had some new folks that are besides the know-it-all boyfriends and kind of that standard crew. We had Jewel, we had Glenn Phillips from Toad the Wet Sprocket. Uh, we had, um, and I should have had my notes in front of me, but I don't have them in front of me of exactly everybody else that we had. Scott McCoy from the Minus Five, Ken Stringfellow from the Posies, um, Justin Curry from Delamitri, Dan Navarro from Lowen and Navarro. A lot of folks recorded stuff in home studios and did a live performance. Then we kind of knitted them together into an online performance, which we did not charge for because we really weren't sure how it was all going to go. We just asked for donations, but we ended up mm-hmm. by the time the night was done doing doing fairly well with that as well. So, but now we've got folks like Jewel and that are are part of our family. And one of these years we'll get, we'll get a lot of those folks that contributed 
videos to to come to Madison. It can it can be kind of a two and three and four year process before yeah. the, there's the calendars line up. But we're excited. Yeah. So is the city of Madison aware of how cool this event <laughs> is and and what you what you're doing to invigorate the community? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's not anything we've ever had any direct contact with. Certainly sure. the business community has supported us because fundraisers are not just selling tickets, but it's also the, the sponsorship that goes with it. We've had great response from um, the Madison business community. You know, it, you know, Allison, it takes a, usually it's a, a set of circumstances that make a company sponsored. Usually it's because somebody in a leadership position is really into music, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and likes it. And then maybe some connection to epilepsy as well. Um, because part of for some of our larger sponsors, it, we do give them access to the musicians. They get to hang out. And for folks that don't, that's obviously super cool. So we've had good response from the, from the Madison business community. Nothing, no direct contact with you know, the government or the city itself, because there are so many things that are going on. And I'm, they've got to kind of be Switzerland about it all and, mm-hmm. and stay pretty neutral. But who knows, in a couple of years when I've got you know, Paul McCartney and the Foo Fighters and everybody else coming to Madison, maybe then we'll get into that. Direction. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And just a couple of questions that uh, I'd like to gear towards uh, those musicians who might be listening um, and other people who might be in the business. But, um, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges you've had along the way in, in getting these events together? Yeah. So probably I'll try to make this as relevant as I can to everybody listening. The hardest thing is explaining what we are, right? You know, the event, it's the event itself. There's a couple of challenges we face. If I was list, if I was listing the bands of all of our artists that are coming, people would recognize those immediately. But unless you're kind of in the next level, like folks like you and I are that are in the community, you may not know that Dave Perner is the lead singer for Soul Asylum. You might not mm. know that Rick Nielsen is the name of the guitar player in Cheap Trick. You might, you know what I mean? And so mm. when you're dealing with in a soundbite kind of environment like we are, and you've only got 30 seconds or 60 seconds, and you have to spend half of it explaining who people are, um, it can be a bit of a challenge. So and I'm sure others can relate to that as they're building their career, whether they're promoters or, or, or artists itself is, um, as I mentioned earlier, we tend to go a little conservative overboard to make sure that we get that. I don't take for granted that if I just said, we've got Dave Perner and Chris Collingwood and Rick Nielsen and Laura Jane Grace showing up, that the majority of people would know that. So I, I take the time and maybe lose some other messaging down the road to make sure that I can say garbage and cheap trick and fountains of Wayne and soul asylum and, you know, Grammy winner, Dave Perner and rock and roll hall of famer, Rick Nielsen and Grammy winner, Butch Vig um, is to, is to try to remember that your audience might not be as rabid, uh, you know, as, as an insider, as you might be, if you're dealing with, you've got somebody special producing your next record or a guest joining you that, you hold in high regard, you, you might have to take a few extra words to explain it. And, and remembering how bombarded everybody is on social media with messages and all that other stuff is to, right. is to take the time. And at the end of however you're messaging to your audience, 
would the average person come away with this really understanding what you're trying to tell? So that that's that's been our biggest challenge. My biggest challenge is to is to try to get that into the 30 second or 60 seconds that you normally have either with an online video or a radio spot or, you know, a two inch by three inch, you know, newspaper ad. It's difficult to put the picture of the artist, put the artist's name and the group that they're in. By the time you do that with a couple folks, you're leaving, you know, other folks off. So that, that the messaging has been our biggest challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm not sure that we really talked about that on, uh, on this podcast, but you know, musicians, um, I know that they don't always want to be described in three to four words, right. or, <laughs> but sometimes as promoters of them, we have to find a way to do that um, very right. quickly right. and concisely for exactly what you just said. Um, and so it is to their benefit that they come up with a really um, descriptive way to show themselves and their art um, yeah, in three I, to four yeah, words. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I go back, yes, I completely agree with what you said. And I go back to our conversation earlier. Don't be afraid to think of yourself as a brand. I know, mm-hmm. believe me, I'm, I'm not very artistic, but I understand the artist's soul. And you want your art to speak for itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you also are in it, unless you're doing it totally as a hobby, you're trying to make a living and a career out of it and accepting the realities of the marketplace. My son, Sam, who will be performing at the benefit mm-hmm. as well, um, who is a budding singer-songwriter, he gets, gets to do a little bit at the beginning of the show. He and I talk a lot about that, and and he's got his favorite artist. One of his favorite artists is John Mayer. He loves John Mayer, loves Harry Styles, these kind of artists. And I say to him, and I think they're both great. I was not a fan of either. I try to still be able to learn from my kids. But I try to let Sam know that there's some guitar players probably playing at a Holiday Inn in Des Moines that are just as good as John Mayer. But John has had some breaks and some opportunities and he's made the most of it, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what I think is, is people that let their art speak for themselves is are, have to be careful because there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise out there. And, and I, I, I think, I think um, being able to think of yourself as a brand mm-hmm. and then finding what's your, you know, what's your slogan for lack of a better phrase, what's your, you deserve a break today, or I don't even know what McDonald's right, right. is, right? As, as distasteful as that may seem to folks, that's really important to, for them to be able to say, you know, until you have a hit record, then it's easy, right? People will say, Rick Nielsen, Cheap Trick, I want you to want me, got it. Dave Perner, Soul Asylum, Runaway Train, got it. But until yeah. you do that, you got to be the funky hillbilly band or some, something that people can, can tie to it. And for most artists, it's either something that's not in their skill set or it's distasteful. And unfortunately, it's a reality, I think, of the business. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't come up with it yourself, other people are going to come up with it for you. <laughs> and you may that's not right. like it. Right. Um, yeah. Or, or they're, or they're going to steal your space. Right. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna be the, the, the funky throwback so soul band in town that everybody likes when you were trying to get there but they carved out that niche and now they're 
that other band that kind of does the earth, wind and fire covers on a Friday night. Yeah. Or whatever. Everybody's going to go see them instead of you because they were willing to, to put in a little bit of that, you know, kind of that padding around the package. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great conversation. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that could, could uh, use this advice. So I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, is there uh, another, any particular lesson that you've learned along the way? that you would care to pass along to any musicians or other people in the industry who might might be listening? Yeah, um, and, and it really has nothing to do with music. It's the same as uh, every other business out there. It's the networking, right? Mm-hmm. I, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's It's because I can reference other folks or my musicians are able to say to somebody else up, maybe a little higher up the food chain. Hey, I did this cool benefit, you know, thing last year. You should really look into this or Mike would like to talk to you kind of stuff. Um, and that's that's just career ladder building 101. Mm-hmm. And again, even if you're, you got to build your career, you know, you can't, not, not all of us can write satisfaction in our sleep or whatever the story is that Keith Richards did, right? Um, and so it, it's the networking side of it is, you know, be nice to everybody. To stay in touch with people, make sure you don't just reach out when you need something, you know, kind of stuff, all of mm-hmm. that other stuff and be willing to make a sacrifice for the other person, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, if, whoever that might be, if it's a club owner, if it's a promoter, if it's another musician, if it's a band that you're playing with, um, people want to help people that they like. It's plain mm-hmm. and simple, whether you're in music or selling soap or a car dealership. And, and realizing the importance of that network because you just you just never know when something can shift your way just because, and I mentioned this earlier, just because I can say, if you want to talk to Butch, Butch will talk to you, right? And that's such a big, a big part of it. So that would be that would be the lesson that I've learned is the networking. You, you, again, you have to I keep coming back to this. We have a reoccurring theme here, Allison. You have to treat it like a business and mm-hmm. it's not burning bridges, um, being able to turn the other cheek. Yeah. All of those things are, are really important because then it'll create a network and an ecosystem that will be there for you when you need it for whatever it is. Yeah, you get, get some, stu- some studio time where you'll get be able to talk to hot, some hotshot record producer that you wouldn't have talked to otherwise because somebody's willing to do you a solid because of something you did for them. Mm, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well said. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about on here that you would like to cover? And, I, and I'll definitely ask you for more, where we can find more information on sure. Joey's song, but is there anything else that you'd like to, to bring up that we didn't address? No, I, I, I think we covered it. I, I think I want people to leave. Uh, I, I would, I would stick with that slogan. What we do is serious. How we do it is not. Mm -hmm. And that if you're thinking about reaching out to us, if you want to come to the event, that's great. If you're a musician or somebody in the business that wants to reach out and talk, we'll, I'll talk with anybody about it and, um, you know, understand that we, we, I believe we're very professional in what we do, but we're trying not to be dour or serious about it and kind of be able to, to, to do that. So, um, you know, that, that, that's what I want people to understand that if they choose to come to the Sylvia on January 8th, they will have a great time. It'll, it'll might get a little sloppy, but that's okay. 
Um, but you'll, you'll, maybe I'm turning this into like a, I'm going to really date myself with this reference, a mutual Omaha wild kingdom reference, but you'll see the artists in their natural habitat, maybe mm -hmm. a little under rehearsed and the, you know, with the pressure off. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I think, I think we covered all of it. We really talked about how we built up the organization, what we try to do, uh, how we've managed to create this, this grouping of artists. And I've got uh, several other artists that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that we haven't quite gotten to Madison yet, but we'll get there because getting those gears to, to meet up is, is not always the easiest thing to do. Yeah, that's great. Well, and it's, it's nice that, you know, there's always more to, to keep working towards for each Absolutely. year. <laughs> there's always, year. there's always a bigger venue. Yeah, know? exactly. Uh, so, yeah. 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 And where can we find out more information on Joey Song? You bet. So like everybody else website, right? Joeysong.org. Remember to put the two S's in there. Joey's and song.org is the best place to do it. But we're also on all the social media platforms and it's Joey Song, all one word on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram where we'll be in, where we announce um, new artists. Joeysong.org is where you can go to get tickets, uh, make a donation. I guess the one thing that we didn't talk about is we're also going to have a, a, a auction that night as well we got some really cool stuff in the auction bin if i can take two minutes and uh, brag a little yeah. bit about that we got signed guitars from rem and wilco and eddie vetter and cheap trick and garbage and lenny kravitz and james taylor and i'm probably forgetting two or three others. we've got about 10 signed guitars that are all going to be all up for auction as well um there'll be a chance if you can't make it to the event to bid on those things online it'll be an online auction but to answer your question, all of that information, joeysong.org is going to be the hub of all of that stuff. Nice. nice. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to talk with me today. And I look forward to following the event, to being at the event. I can't wait. It'll yeah. be my first time there, but I'm so glad to have found out about it through Zach, our mutual connection. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really looking forward to, to following what you have in store for us this year and uh, and good luck with everything. Well, I, I'm really glad that we got hooked up. And I'm one of the things that is exciting about the conversation I'm having with you, I had with Zach and some other folks is we've been a very parochial Madison kind of event. And there's no reason why we can't be a larger Wisconsin event. Absolutely. Um, and go that we've been kind of limited by ad budget and word of mouth, but every year more and more people um, get involved in it as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to have, to have you involved in all of, all of the folks in the man, in the Wisconsin music network, be a part of it. Mm -hmm. I think we can really grow this as a, as a community. Absolutely. It's, it's a, a worthy cause and, and it just sounds like so much fun. It is. It, <laughs> not it, gonna it, not it, and one of these, one of these years I'll actually get to watch it. So I'm sure. You know, <laughs> That'll be the goal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. Squad goals, right? Squad goals. <laughs> All right, so. Mike. Thanks so much for, for being on the show today. You, you bet, Allison. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I look forward to seeing you all at the Sylvie. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansadventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. The Musician's Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.